How much would someone have to pay you to wear a green man to a sporting event? If it wasn't my team, not very much. I don't know, man. That's a pretty like that's kind of tight, it's man. You got kind of you right? got to like get, like the you know your spring break bot. I feel to wear green man. I don't think just Dude, anyone I'm gonna be can down the things. suit. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be like I'll have a nice bulge, but I'm going to have some other lumps too that I don't necessarily want showing. Um, if it was a winter sport like a hockey game or something, I'd probably be more better than. Uh, you know, be better off than than have it. No, be like use the Mac more better. Use the Mac more better. So that's perfect. Yeah, it's more it's better. A, it's more better. It's more um, better. This coming Saturday, Philadelphia Eagles will hold open tryouts. What are you practicing for? I'm trying out for the Eagles. This summer, you have a story, my friend. One man is pursuing an entire city's dream. Who brings you out here? Would be an eagle, baby. Yeah! How we doing, AC? I've seen glaciers move faster. Even if you're down there for one hour, you're down there. Let's go to work. Invincible. Welcome to the Night Pod Cometh, a show covering the legendary FXX show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm Jamie G, defender of the new kids on the block movie it was really good and i'm here with my co-host magnum mills and we're gonna meet donovan McNabb and try out for the philadelphia eagles the birds let's be honest here that well that's kind of like a de bears but you know we are the fucking birds we'll just we're the fucking birds people know that in philly and you know we did the math here we looked at can we make the eagles no not really so so you know what let's make a successful boy band shit we're not going to really be good at that either so i guess we're just going to have to do a podcast about it's always sunny in philadelphia again i am magna mills with jamie g on the night pod cometh on all your favorite podcast platforms the spotify the apple podcast all the good ones wherever you get your pods if you're not subscribed please do so helps us out a lot helps other people find the show we're on social media at night pod cometh jamie g this week we're gonna get invincible brother and i think it's going to be a damn good time. Could not be happier than being here doing this. You make it sound like, yeah, we're maybe not we're not going to make the Eagles, but who gives a shit? We get to do this podcast covering one of our favorite shows. And guys, please be aware this is a absolute full spoiler show. All episodes, all the podcasts, all the interviews, all the news reports are fair game here. This is your first and final warning. Hell, I may even talk about Charlie Day. At the Clifford Ball, taking in his first fish show in 1994. It's all open, okay? We can do anything. We can do anything. We're basically the opposite of Funkmaster Flex. The opposite of so fucking focused. That's true. <laughs> hey, but that's again, this is the gag. And if you listen to you know their podcast covering this one, it was probably less focused than this will be. So stay tuned because we can hit the highlights of what they said very easily. So let's do the Charlie Kelly thing. And... Let's do this thing! This is episode two of season three, The Gang It's Invincible, originally aired on September 13th, 2007. This episode was directed by Fred Savage, who has directed 18 episodes of Sunny, the most recent being A Very Sunny Christmas. Episode was written by Charlie Day, Glenn Howerton, and David Hornsby. The most notable guest stars are Faison Love as Coach, Jimmy Simpson as Liam McPoyle, Artemis Padani as Artemis, Nate Mooney as Ryan McPoyle, Bob Rush as Doyle McPoyle, Desi Surface as Margaret McPoyle, and Jeffrey Owens as Donovan McNabb slash Jeffrey Owens slash Alvin from the Cosby Show. And the short plot synopsis is Dennis McAdee take part in the Philadelphia Eagles open tryouts, while Frank drops acid and freaks out when he and Charlie tailgate next to the McPoyles. Can you blame him? I mean, that's a freaky situation. Mills, before we get into this episode... Go ahead and hit us with any notable callbacks, references, trivia, all that whatnot. We, we'd love to do that before we get into the deets. Bring it up for us. Uh, he loves to kick it to me so I can do all of these things. This is actually the third appearance of Artemis, and I believe the first one where she has a significant interaction with Frank. Liam and Ryan McPoyle have appeared seven times on Sunny, while Margaret has shown up six times. So far, this is the only appearance of Doyle McPoyle. This was the first time on Sunny for Jeffrey Owens. He's appeared three times in total. In addition to Donovan McNabb, he's also played Tiger Woods and Don Cheadle. 
This is also the first appearance of Green Man. The episode is based on the movie Invincible, starring Mark Wahlberg, who is not actually in the New Kids on the Block. He's the brother of Donnie Wahlberg, who is the one who is actually in the New Kids on the Block. And Invincible tells the story of Vince Papali, who really did make the Eagles roster. However, he actually did have some athletic background or whatever. The movie obviously took some dramatic liberties with the story, you know, doing the Disney thing. And despite the fact that the movie Invincible provided the premise for the episode, Glenn Howerton admitted that he had not even seen the movie while they were writing the episode. I think it's time to get Invincible. And that just reminds me of Boris uh, in uh, GoldenEye, more specifically the GoldenEye for N64, but also the actual movie GoldenEye. And it's not GoldenEye, but I believe it is like Wednesday morning at Patty's, and we find the gang drinking and playing dominoes. Charlie begs everyone to do something different. Maybe go outside and run around or something? They meet him halfway as they go outside, but they continue to sit around and play dominoes while drinking. While out in the park drinking and playing dominoes, they learn that the Philadelphia Eagles are holding open tryouts, inspired by the movie Invincible. This gives Mac an idea. Great opening here. I mean, they're 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 so good at kind of creating this loud chaos of just like we're drunk assholes yelling at each other, trying to prove a point. And, you know, it's funny because Charlie wants to he's got the right idea here. The, the champ, he, he's, he's such a buddy. He's got the right idea. But of course, they can't fully execute. And uh, they're just like in this park doing the same exact thing and thought thought this was great. Um, intriguing setup for me as we as we get out of the cold open. Uh, on the podcast, the guys did comment that the the dialogue about Charlie talking about how they do is sit in the bar and yell at each other. That was a little bit of a meta thing, as was them talking about working their asses off, and it seems like they're not making any money. So there's definitely a little bit of metatextual stuff going on here. Uh, how did you overall like the, the running gag of Invincible being a new kids on the block movie? I thought it was just fucking choice. It's this show. It's everything they do great wrapped up into one. Yeah, fantastic choice. I mean, hilarious and and not overused, but used just right. I mean, they really got this right. I honestly think that was more of a shot at Marky Mark, excuse me, Mark Wahlberg, than the uh, New Kids on the Block. I think that's just them remember like, yeah, when these guys grew up, you were you were Marky Mark. You weren't Mark Wahlberg. You were Marky Mark doing the, the Fruit of the Loom ads and whatnot. It's such a Good vibration. That's a that's still a pretty solid track, so I'm not gonna knock them for good vibrations. <laughs> it is. It's a good party track. And I'm I'm you know, you call a spade a spade. Uh, did you actually ever see Invincible? Any thoughts on it as someone who's you know an Eagles fan? I, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but it was definitely like kind of Disney fied a little bit. Like it was like they were trying to do like grown up Rudy a little bit, it felt like. It definitely. It, it definitely had Rudy-esque vibes. That was exactly what I was gonna say. I enjoyed it. I think I would probably enjoy it more if I was an Eagles fan, but just that that sense of like a regular guy that wants to be able to live out his dream has the opportunity well, like if he has the grit and determination and will. You could always I'm a sucker for it. You can always kind of get me there. Um, I thought it was good. I would have rather, you know, of course I'm a fan of rated R. I would rather they went rated R with Invincible um and show like the real struggles of trying to make a team, but thought it was cool. Same. I I really agree. Any uh do you remember it all again this being an older episode, the first time that you saw it? Uh, well, I do, Mills. It was probably five years ago. Um, you know, luckily you've done a lot of great things in your life, but luckily forcing me to watch Always Sunny was probably one of the better things that you've done. So shout out Magna Mills for being that dude, that ball, he made it happen. And I just, once I got into season two, I just couldn't stop watching the show. So I remember binge watching this and I remember being like, season two is great. And then I remember being like, holy shit, season three is amazing. Like, whoa, like there are some heaters in season three. And this is, this is like way up there in folklore of Always Sunny for me, but certainly way up there in season three. I remember being really, really impressed being like, they finally got it. Like this works really good. Yeah, this is kind of early enough internet. I remember kind of seeing bits and pieces, like the Charlie blackout drunk thing, the Green Man thing started happening in Philly kind of organically after this. So I definitely saw bits and pieces of it. 
but I didn't, I don't really remember the first time. I just remember the fake Donovan McNabb thing mostly. That's the only thing that really sticks out for the first time. I feel like I caught half the episode before eventually uh, rewatching it a couple years later. So far, so good, right? Because then we have the intro. We're back at Patty's. Dennis and Mac are going to go try out for the Eagles in order to determine for once and for all who is a better football player. D thinks that she could do better than both of them, but women aren't allowed to try out. Frank and Charlie plan on tailgating the tryouts. We learn about Charlie's history with Green Man, and everybody's very excited about what they're about to do. Frank even thinks that this is going to be just like Woodstock. Of course, hopefully this time, he doesn't get trapped in a camper's bathroom for three days. And dude, there are some absolute winners um, when it comes to the dialogue in this scene. Like, there are some Pretty much everything shooting on D is hysterical. It's hilarious, dude. Like, this is early classic Philly, just like, yep, dump on the bird. Classic Frank. I, I just, again, you forget kind of this is somewhat early Frank a little bit, right? Like he he was season two. This is the beginning of season three. I think it's episode three of season three or something. So we're still episode two. So we're still kind of getting kind of Frank and I, he's spot on here, bro. He's spot on this. They, they found the for It felt like they found the formula, didn't it? Absolutely, and that comes from part of the reason that in season two, Danny DeVito's first season, they had to film all of his scenes for the entire season in like two weeks. So this was technically the first time that they really had him in the cast, and he feels like the Frank Reynolds we know and love now. It's just he doesn't have the long-ass hair, and he's rocking the glasses still. You know what I mean? It's just the look isn't quite there, but he acts like the Frank we know and love in this episode. And uh, you also get an idea of who these people were in high school a little bit better they started to do that here bill in the backstory a little more when you hear that charlie was green man in high school and max says oh a mascot nobody wanted he get wasted and dressed in this green spandex bodysuit you know and uh you know shout out to frank who did drop the line where uh you know at woodstock he survived on hands up and toilet water for three days and that looks a lot like the woodstock 99 documentary i watched on netflix recently can you blame him for having that memory still haunt him? I mean, that's a that's a haunting, haunting memory. And you got to love, you know, we talked a little bit about it with the shitting on D, but you got to love Mac and Dennis here just being their absolute worst for a split second. They're like, shit, maybe she can outrun us, but we don't have to worry about that because she's a woman. <laughs> We're better just because like just classic, terrible humanisms you know for for mac and dennis again works really well with with just how terrible these characters are they d can definitely hear them they're right there at the bar and mac tries to contest like you think that's even a possibility because that could be very embarrassing for us <laughs> just i mean fucking perfect like the kind of like just the inner gang politics of the the gang i mean just so so fucking good. And I basically broke when, you know, she says she wants to try out and they just laugh for like 20 seconds. And Max's like, but you, you, you're a woman. You guys think you're actually going to make the team? <laughs> no. Hell no, we're not going to make the team. But we will finally get to prove once and for all who's a better football player. That's right. And trying out for the Eagles is the best way to settle that score. Again. Well, you know what? I would like to join your little competition. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. You, you, you're a woman. <laughs> women can't do things like this. You'll get hurt. No, women aren't allowed to try out for football. Well, that's ridiculous. It's 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 absolutely great. And Mills, being a being a guy who's you know kind of on the Philadelphia scene, so to speak, have been for a while. Is Green Man a popular sporting event site for for the world of Philadelphia sports? Or because I don't know that I've been to a sporting sport outing where I've seen Green Man. For a while, it was definitely a thing, especially at college basketball games in the student section, uh, especially Temple Penn. You go to a Big Five game, you'd a lot of times see someone in the student section dressed up like Green Man. I don't know if they would be associated with like the cheerleaders or the dancing squad or not, but they'd be there. Uh, you know, when you got the student section behind the the basket, you people holding up the big heads. Always a lot of Frank Reynolds heads, so. Yeah, I've definitely seen some green men in the wild before at the sporting events, so it all tracks for me. So the lizard talks, huh? The lizard does talk. And uh, just while we're on green man, if somebody else in the gang had to dress up as green man, who would you want it to be and why? 
Oh, man, I got to see Frank. I just think his body type would be so funny dressed up as Green Man. It would just work great. Well, especially if he had to wear the same suit and it doesn't really fit. It doesn't like fit. The, like the whole point is how awkwardly it fits. I think that would be funny. Yeah, that would be great. That was my initial thought was Frank, but then I remember D dancing next to the wacky inflatable tube man and the gang uh, gets a boat. And I was like, well, I think D's got the moves to wear the Green Man, I feel. So I think I would ultimately go with D. Frank would be the funniest. And we do see here when they're going to tailgate, they talk about how to pack a cooler. Jamie G, how do you properly pack beer in a cooler for a tailgate? Uh, as much as you can fit in, but do not forget the ice. You don't have a system. You just throw it. You, you don't put the beer in first, then the ice, or the ice in first, and the beer. Add depends the on the cooler, honestly. It depends on the cooler. Um well, that's the key. You want to maximize beer, but there has to be a little bit of room because you have to have some ice. Like Charlie talks about here about doing layers. I would say generally it's easier to have cans in a cooler than bottles. It's yes. a little bit of a different situation because if you have bottles, my guess is you're working with like a maximum of 12 or something. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of untenable to have a big cooler. So if you're going to need a lot of beer, you want regular 12-ounce cans is the way to go. A little bit of water on the bottom of the big cooler. Put the initial layer in. Sprinkle some ice in. Usually kind of like you don't want it shaved ice, but you don't want like the big like half quarter moon cubes. You want generally some square cubes. Go to the store buy the two three dollar bag of ice whatever it is get a few of those start spreading it in like i will sometimes do like one like a vertical can style and then one fucking cans like on top of those horizontal style ice on top of them and build up it depends again how big of a cooler but i would say you want probably 70 75 percent of the cooler filled with beer 20 you know whatever 25 percent with ice and then a little bit of room so it all can breathe yep uh, spoken like a dude who has filled a cooler very well with beer while we all were dying waiting for beer. So that I mean, it's important. Happened. You see how much work Charlie has to do to set up a tailgate. It's hard to set up a tailgate. So the way you set up the beer is crucial because ideally then you just leave it in the cooler. So it's one less thing you have to deal with. 100%. And Mills, we see that Mac and Dennis arrived at the link and they're enjoying a few beers and taking a piss, basically, while commenting on a number of people wearing capes. This just, dude, the fact that the way the camera angle is, and they're standing there, and they're kind of talking, it almost looked like they were kind of huddling in private, like talking about like the capes and the lack of effort and how bad everyone sucks, and no one's taking it serious. And then the camera zones out, and you realize that they're taking a piss, drinking a beer. Um, Just, just fantastic moment here in always sunny and they keep it going like they are actually drinking beers like when they first start doing the tryout and everything like initially run up to the coach you still they have beers it's until finally after that when they have to do sprints they're not drinking anymore but yeah just the reveal that they were pissing it was just in the background just everyone they're all kind of wearing their jerseys and you know you get the idea that you know everyone saw invincible and they decided to come here and the cape thing was just really random again. That's probably a little bit of an artifact of the time, I guess. Were people wearing capes back then? I don't remember. Jamie G, what are your thoughts on wearing a cape as an accessory? Like, who could actually pull that off? Well, anytime during spooky season, it's okay. Outside of that, man, you gotta you gotta have a certain type of flair and. You know, I mean, our producer, for what he's, yes, he's an absolute raging dick, like big, big, big dick. But I feel like he could probably wear a cape just because he's got that bravado of being such a just. He's all neck, basically. That's why he's He's all all neck, neck, basically. I I do think like having gray hair helps. Like I think particularly uh, Christopher Lee played Count Dooku in the the second Attack of the Clones. He looked good in the cape. And Leslie Nielsen, when he did the uh, Dracula Dead Loving It, one of the worst probably Mel Brooks movies and Leslie Nielsen movies. But I will do look good in the cape. I will say that. I believe Larry David was the guy in the cape in Seinfeld. As far as Sonny goes, I have three possible cape options. First, you have Cricket if he's doing like a Phantom of the Opera thing. He's kind of got that skinny, bony body. I think he can pull it off. And if you want to go the other way with the beefy body, you put Rex in there. Rex can rock almost anything. I feel like Rex could rock the cape. And then finally, Pondy. 
because he is really the superhero yeah. of the show. So if anybody deserves a cape when he pulls up in the car to scoop Frank, capes flying, Pondy. Gotta be Pondy, bro. I could see Pondy kind of like having the cape out the window as he's like cruising around looking for strange. Yeah, Pondy is the champ. At the roller rink, right? Like when he's At skating, he's rink. definitely got a cape on trying to go fast enough to get that to flap in the breeze. Love you, Pondy. And realistically, is there any advantage? We hear them arguing over it. Is there any advantage to wearing a cape? Like maybe one advantage to wearing a cape. On the football field? No. At any, any at any point in your entire life, give me one advantage of wearing a cape. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I can't. Oh, you give can you at one. least be like, "Oh, I forgot to wipe my hands. I forgot to, you know, in the bathroom they were out of paper towels." So I they're out cape. of paper towels. Like that's a start, right? It yeah. rains. You can put it over your head a little bit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and if you know, there's a really uh, attractive lady you'd like to help. You know, walk over a puddle randomly. And she can't go around it. You put the cape over the puddle. I mean, or she's cold. You could take off your cape, put it on her. I mean, I guess there's. There's a little bit of advantage. That's all I'm saying. If you really work at it, you can find a way to use the cape. Don't sleep on the capes. Although the the denim capes, they they couldn't even bring that back in the Gangos of the Jersey Shore. So maybe you could put a denim cape on the rum hand. That's as far as we could go, maybe. It's a little bit of a, a food accessory. We see that Mac and Dennis are there, but Charlie and Frank have also arrived. Charlie set them up a nice tailgate. It's time to relax. Frank wants Charlie to drop acid with him, but Charlie declines, is that would be the exact opposite of relaxing for him. I mean, Frank's not fucking around. He's like, yep. Well, I'm going to trip balls. Frank's all in, and, you know, you kind of see that maybe, maybe this will end poorly, just Frank being unregulated with his amount of LSD Well, in intake. retrospect, after hearing Green Man brought up and then acid, it all makes... Looking back, it makes total sense, right? I'm trying to remember the first time I watched it. I can't really remember this. But I feel I would have been like, oh, yeah, Charlie's going to take an acid. Felt like he had to. Yeah, and shout out, like, if you listen to the Always Sunny podcast, all three of the guys talk about for uh, this episode, they all talk about their various experiences. That Lollapalooza, I think, very specifically with hallucinogens. At least Charlie and Mac do, I believe. Or Charlie and uh, Rob. Charlie and Rob, sorry. <laughs> so used to their character names. I thought this was a really cool addition to this episode and it excited me going forward. I'm like, oh wow, we already got like this whole tryout for the for the Eagles, and there's rumors of like a Donovan McNabb thing happening. Now we've got Frank on acid, uh paired up with Charlie. Like that sounds like a recipe for a win for always sending in Philadelphia humor. Yeah, basically and, and Danny DeVito's trying to recreate a Woodstock experience. Yeah. Sold. Yep. Sold. And then we're still in the parking lot. Guys are getting ready. Mac and Dennis are applying some eye black when D comes up to them, disguised as a man named Cole. She's got a bandana, fake goatee mustache joint. She got some eye black himself. And she actually looks a little bit like Rickety Cricket, believe it or not. A coach arrives, played by Donald Faison, tells them to get on the bus because the tryout is at a shitty high school in the suburbs. Dipshits like them don't get to play on the same field that champions play on. Charlie and Frank notice the bus is leaving with everybody. Charlie wants to stay, but Frank insists that they follow the bus. You kind of start to feel bad for Charlie just a little bit. The guy just wants to sit down, relax, and get blackout drunk. I mean, is he asking for too much here, Mills? No, I mean, well, he's not quite to that point yet. Uh, we're almost there, but he said he did all the work, right? He set everything up. Like they make it a point to show, like they got there. Charlie set everything up. Frank's like, just like, yep, I'm going to do acid and shit. So it's Charlie work, right? It's definitely the show showing us the early idea that Charlie really is the one who makes a lot of this shit happen. So, yes, you're right. He He's actually absolutely earned the right to sit there, get blackout drunk. I, I do have to say, again, you get Mac and Dennis shitting on D here. The bones like glass, man. There's not much funnier than, like, your body's, like, 90% scoliosis. Like, yeah, that's, uh... The second that any part of your body touches that field, it's going to shatter like glass. You got bones like glass. I don't have bones like glass. You spend half your life in a back brace. Your, your body's, like, 90% scoliosis, D. That's pretty fucking funny. And, you know, basically in here, I do have to say that technically, at this point, the Eagles were not champions. They were the NFC champions. 
I'm assuming that's what he's saying when he called the link the, the field the champions played on. But at that point, unfortunately, the Eagles had or lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl about two years ago. So so NFC champions, still champions, just not Super Bowl champions. When they brought out the coach, I was like, oh, this whole tryout thing is even gonna be this is gonna be better than what like I even anticipated. This again, perfect selection for a side character. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit when uh, he gives his big speech. But for now, we see that D, Dennis, and Mac got on the bus and they make some new friends. D makes friends with the guy who's a little bit blind in a denim cape with a little uh, lunchbox and his mom made the cape, so that's very nice. Dennis and Mac meet Doyle McPoyle, the latest McPoyle we've met, who seems like a bigger fella. And uh, yeah, he's anxious to play football against these dudes. And we get there, we see that the other people tailgating when Charlie and Frank arrive. This forces them to park in a spot near the porta potties. Charlie refuses to set up again. This is it. He just wants to sit in his chair, get blackout drunk. Everyone needs to leave him alone. Unfortunately, his chair is almost immediately hit by an RV driven by the McPoyle brothers, who are there to support their brother Doyle. They brought the entire family, and they refused to move their RV. Eventually, they agree to a truce of sorts, and Charlie heads back to his chair. The mark of a McPoyle, the unibrow, the eczema, the acne. It's just, it, it's so true, and it's so hilarious. And dude, anytime you get more than one uh, McPoyle, I, I, I'm happy. This was a new McPoyle, um, and so I, I thought this was pretty cool. And shout out to dude who plays them. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff and, and is a guy that, oh, fuck it. He's a guy. Jimmy Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Who uh, plays one of the main, uh, yes. Uh, they all do good work here in, you know, if our producers were real cool, they'd show the, uh, Coolio fantastic voyage video where everyone gets out of the trunk next to this, where all the McPoyles keep piling out of the RV and they're all like doing weird shit, carrying weird shit. At some point there's this jar and you hear like, is that fucking pig parts? What's in the jar, man? What's in the dude? I caught the jar and it was very disturbing looking. It looked I like mean, pig parts. It, it definitely looked like pig parts. I'm not gonna lie. There was more McPoyles in that RV than I thought there was, and the whole thing's hilarious. How it just pulls up and it actually hits Charlie. Like that's funny in and of its own right. Frank is just starting to feeling the effects of his of his LSD. And he's trying to get like he's trying to like mentor Charlie as Charlie like engages with them. A lot going on here, but certainly the highlight is as all the McPoyles start rolling out of this RV. Just very, very strange, uh, weird sight for sure. And that's one of those where as they're getting out, you hear Charlie just go off on them and just basically rip them apart. I'm very curious whether that was an improv or not. I'm guessing it was written. On the podcast, they actually talk about how, like, in a little bit, we'll talk about there's a big scene from the coach, and they actually wrote, like, this whole long speech, and Faisal uh, Lot actually didn't kind of memorize it or whatever for one reason or another. And it, it makes you wonder, kind of like, is this something they wrote, or is he this good? Because, again, Charlie does write some of this stuff. And just a shout out to Charlie's full quote. No, no, I'm not setting anything up, all right? I'm sitting in my chair. I'm relaxing. I'm getting blackout drunk, and you're leaving me alone. All right, be a party pooper. I've used that quote, that meme, multiple times. And when I do, stay the fuck away from me, please. And shout out to Dennis, who was literally just smoking on a bus with all the windows closed on the way to a football tryout. Like 2007 was like a different universe, apparently. Yeah. Could you still smoke in Taco Bells back in 2007? I can't remember. You may have been able to, particularly in some some parts of the country. Just the cooks. Just the cooks. A little ash in your burrito. Mills, the trial. No, I didn't ash in your burrito, man. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you, man. Yeah. Shout out to The Gang Hits the Slopes. Fantastic episode. We did cover that right here on the night pod cometh. From that incredible scene, we go and we see that the tryouts have now finally begun and the participants gather around the coach. They take a knee and somebody claiming to be Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Donovan McNabb gives them the keynote speech, which, well, sounds an awful like an, ad- an advertisement for McDonald's. When the participants question whether that was really Donovan McNabb, 
coach loses his patience and orders them to do sprints. How great was this scene? I don't even know what else to say other than this is just so fantastic. And we see when they run up, Mac and Dennis are still drinking beers. Like they made it all the way up there. And like they've probably stretched and done a little warm ups and they're still drinking bottled beer in a glass, even. And just like where they go up, D tries to kiss ass, like, hey, coach, you want us to take an ear or whatever? And he's like, oh, I don't give a shit. And then they're all like, oh, I guess, I guess we're going to, we're going to take a knee. And they're in a high school, right? Like, kind of field. How do you get a car onto a track in a high school field? I don't feel like, like, and he rolls up and then he's like, yeah, dude, just put your parking brake on. Like, that was like a Geo Metro. I swear it was a Geo Metro. Dude, it, it, first of all, obviously Donovan McNabb it really was driving the Cosby car, show for what it's worth. It really was. It, it, it's that that's even more hilarious during the argument. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I can think of, Mills, is is sometimes down on the track side, uh, the track and field side, the double doors would open and they could get like an ambulance in or something if need be. But or the you know mowing the lawn or whatever for uh, for for maintenance, but. Dude, this was great. Uh, the guy who played Donovan McNabb, we talked about him. This, I think, this is he's he's been in it multiple times. I think three. Um, this was great. He crushes the whole scene's hilarious, and Coach losing his cool trying to defend this with the whistle. I mean, this is this is Chef's kiss when it comes to this episode. Fantastic shit. <laughs> yes, absolutely, fucking perfect. And you know, you hear Donovan McNabb. Uh, give his pitch on this, the the McGriddle shit, dude. Uh, so this used to be a thing right now. They have it all day. But McDonald's breakfast, dude, is it underrated, overrated, properly rated? I think it's properly rated. I mean, I think I think it's right where it should be. I, you know, I don't know that it's overly hyped. It's, it is what it is. Uh, but it certainly serves a purpose. I guess, you know, when they went 24-hour breakfast, then that kind of warranted a little bit of hype. But I think just standard, I think it's right where it probably needs to be. Yeah, I'm not a big fast food breakfast guy. I will say solid black coffee. And you get like that, like the hash brown, solid, like the little hash brown patty joint. So that's a pretty, like you go get a large black coffee, hash brown for three, four bucks still this day and age. That's not too bad considering like, you know, you go to some, you know, fast food restaurant and a value menu, a value meal costs you like $12. Not a lot of value in the the value menu these days. And any overall thoughts on uh, Faison Love as the coach? Uh, again, like I talked about briefly, they said that they had this big long speech and he really didn't do it. And he kind of like developed this character or whatever. He kind of real gruff and speaks in short lines and yells. Uh, I think it worked really well for the episode, but I am curious about what that long speech would have been. Dude, honestly, I love how just brutally honest he was. We're here for you. Not that you're ever going to make the team like this. He knows it's just a total bullshit thing, and he shows it. And not only does he show it, he's just brutally honest about it. Uh, yeah, the, great, great selection, great job. Um, added a lot to this already fantastic episode. Contemptuous, basically. The word is probably contemptuous. He was like, yeah, y'all watch the fun. And he calls it the New Kids on the Block movie. I do love that, that he actually also calls it, independent of them, the New Kids on the Block movie. And then we get a commercial break, and we're back with Charlie and Frank. And we quickly find out that Frank slipped some acid into Charlie's beer because he didn't want to trip by himself. Needless to say, Charlie's not fucking thrilled about this. Frank has to take a shit, but there's a huge line at the porta potties. Against his better judgment, Frank decides to head into the McPoyle's RV to use the bathroom. I thought that just, I'll just say, Charlie did a great job kind of being cool and calm and collected, being like, yep, cla-, you know, because all along he's kind of telling Frank, you're making a classic mistake, you're taking too much, you got to wait for it to kick in, it's your funeral, blah, 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 blah. Then to find out that, you know, he had, he's right there on, you know, bought the ticket, he's going to take the ride too, whether he wanted to or not. I thought Charlie did a great job just kind of the acting here of like coming to the realization of like, oh, no. Oh, no, because, you know, I mean, that's not something you just, it shouldn't be forced on anyone. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. No, not at all. And I think he did a great job, too, portraying that you knew something was up. Because when you go into the scene, remember, he said he just wants to sit in his chair and relax. But they show his feet, and he's, like, tapping his feet a mile a minute. So you kind of know that, you know, maybe it could be interpreted as, even though he's trying to relax, like, he's still stressed out. Or, like, 
you know, something's going on. He can't quite figure out like, yo, I'm just trying to relax. I'm drinking this beer. Like, why am I all fucking whatnot? Like, why am I all fucking whatnot? Uh, yeah, dude, don't slip people acid. And if you can, you definitely don't want to do a number two in a porta potty at a sporting event. If you if you got to pee and you can't, there's no natural option. You don't want to get arrested or something. Do what you got to do. But porta potties at sporting events are generally bad, especially football. It it's got to be a life emergency type situation for you to go down that route. I mean, there's no other no other way to say it, Mills. It's got to be a life threatening medical emergency for you to use a porta potty. Numero dos. Yeah, it, it's literally that or nothing again. Watch the Woodstock '99 documentaries, and uh, woof, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's better ways to die. And after that, we're back in the tryouts, and we see that D did surprisingly well in the sprints. While Mac and Dennis struggle, they've finally given up their beers. And now it's time to pick a partner, do some hitting drills. Mac selects D, and he lights her the fuck up. Not a big surprise there, but what goes around comes around because it's time to pick new partners. Doyle McPoyle selects Mac, and Mac gets lit the fuck up by Doyle McPoyle. This was great because the way it was shot and with the camera angle on the face of the helmet as the person's getting buried and the helmet kind of comes up, I thought it was really cool how it's first D and then Mac. I just, I enjoyed this. I thought this was. Oh, it's like old school sparing style. When they were tackling, like, dude, took off and got like damn real, like vertical in the air. Like, not necessarily form tackling, but, uh, Looked very good on camera. Mac even got a cheap shot at on D, which Dennis points out when he says, I like your form on that, and I liked how you went before the whistle. Goddamn right. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, had to get that. Had to get the cheap shot in there. And, again, this wasn't a traditional Oklahoma drill, but for given the setting, it tracked pretty well for a tackle drill. Yeah, there's not a lot of drills where it'd be a tackling dummy drill if it was like, just stand here and like don't do anything. And get crushed. Something you practice because that's not really how football works. But then when it's Dennis's turn. You're up, man. Ah, hitting's not really my thing, coach. (laughs) Spoken like a true champion. You just might make the team. Awesome, really? (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's... Jesus he's like he's Christ. he's just realizing like how terrible like, these are you people that, are. Like, are you that, like, are you that, are you really? that dumb? Like you really don't know what's going on here, right? And that just goes to show you. I mean, how many times are any of the member of the gang just kind of so wrapped up in their own, you know, sense sensation of themselves, like their own self, like proclamation of how great they are that they actually believe this crazy shit. So I think that's that was kind of a cool uh, a cool moment. That's a good point. I think the, that's one thing the gang is capable of, of talk of like self delusion like that. And yeah. uh, their thoughts on Max celebration dance. Uh, I thought it was decent. Like it's definitely no icky shuffle, but it was better than like remember when like uh, uh, Chad Johnson Ocho Cinco did like the river dance, uh, the Charlo Owens popcorn thing, or the Gang Gam style. I think it was better than all of those. Yeah. Yeah, it's not exactly Ray Lewis coming out of the tunnel, but it's 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 good. It's and not good. much is Ray Lewis coming out. That's like no. Mac bursting into you know uh, Patties with news. Basically, would be the that would be the Patties equivalent of that. But what would the Patties equivalent of the Lambo leap be? And if you don't watch football, this is a Green Bay Packers thing. When one of their players scores a touchdown, sometimes he'll leap into the stands, and all all the fans are like, yeah, good job, dude. Like, what would the Patties equivalent of the Lambo leap be? You know, it's got to be something with beers. I'm going to say the beer cheer, where basically they score and they go and they drink beers with the uh, with the members of the audience. That that would be, you know, whoever's in the front row gets gets a beer with them. I'm going with the beer cheer um, from from the gang. I'm in that same universe. I'm going to go with they uh, chug a can of beer, they crush the can on their head, and then they do a D is a bird dance. Uh, that feels like very sunny for me. And if you want to throw a couple of Patty's bucks in the air while you're doing that. More power to you. Yeah, make it rain, Patty's box. I mean, after all, they form their own economy, Mills. After that, it's time to check back in with Frank, who appears to be reliving his Woodstock nightmare of being trapped in an RV bathroom while on drugs. Meanwhile, the McPoyles are taunting Charlie over Doyle's success, with Charlie trying to keep it together as the acid kicks in. This is kind of the Frank we love, and it's it's interesting to go back to kind of early Frank. And you mentioned earlier that season two is basically all kind of filmed in you know one short period of time we kind of see frank 
maybe not evolving, but this is a very cool route to take Frank and it made a lot of sense and it was enjoyable from the viewer standpoint. So this got me excited. You kind of realize nothing's off the limits with Frank. Yeah. We're not quite to like, you know, download me a hoagie off the internet or like, you know, I'm going to get real weird with it or throw me in the trash, but you're definitely getting more towards the, the Frank Reynolds we've known for and loved for the majority of the run of the series. And it's funny what Frank's like, like his personal trials are right. Like his own Vietnam, like his personal Vietnam so far seemed to like be going to Vietnam to open up a sweatshop where they put the cat in the soup or, you know, they toss a hand in the soup or where he goes to Woodstock and he's stuck in an RV bathroom for three days where he survives on hand soap. Uh, Frank Reynolds, dude, that's a life, man. Like, you know, I'm not asking for a sunny prequel, but if you're going to do it with Danny DeVito, just like dress in a wig, pretending he's 18 again, I'm okay with it. We go back to the tryouts and Doyle again impresses the coach with a long reception. Dennis volunteers to run the next route and he takes off, baby. And it looks good. Unfortunately, he's so caught up in his own thoughts of how great he looks that he forgets to look for the ball when he turns the dig and it hits him square in the face. Hilarious moment here. I absolutely love this because Howerton must have been absolutely sprinting here. You can see his his face kind of moving with, with just the, the motion and stuff. This this was awesome. And he did look really good. I mean, I gotta give it to to, to Dennis here. Yeah, and this is also some sort of a tracking shot. So you have to remember this is being done. Basically, there's probably like a set of rails underneath that. There's someone in a camera pulling back very fast as he kind of runs to make this look good. And it does look really good. I don't want to give the whole quote here because that's going to be way up there for my quote of the episode. But then this does, uh, you like how Dennis refers to his trademark of popping the shirt off. We recently covered the gang. Uh, solves the gas crisis where you saw them all pop their shirts off in a bank to try to persuade the lady to give them a loan and dennis was kind of mad because you know popping the shirt off that's his move hilarious again i can't say much about it other than this was just peak i mean this was fantastic i mean you do really have to you know work hard to achieve that long lean muscle symmetry so shout out dennis you know He's, he's really working on it, you know, and he's, you know, working out with the skins and everything. That's how he does. After that, we see D still in the mix. She's trying out a punter, and she booms a long kick that really impresses the coach. He's going to go tell the other coaches about it, even. She lords it over Mac and Dennis, who are now legitimately worried that she might make it further than they do. Dennis has an idea, and he suggests that he and Mac go find Frank. And shout out Dennis, who points out that D might have a built-in advantage due to her stork-like legs with pendulums on the bottom like wrecking balls. Stork-like legs is is up there for me for a quote. Um, we'll hand out hardware in a little bit, but that's a good one. And to be honest with you, I wasn't sure if I bought Dennis's explanation of why D was good at punting a football. But I did a little bit of research, and it turns out that there are some slight benefits to having an above-average size foot when it comes to kicking a ball. Mostly it's due to an increased contact area, but there is a bit of a downside, which is that there seems to be an increased risk of injury. This actually all tracks, I think, so shout out the writers here. I think this works. Short scene here, Magna Mills, but definitely a funny one. That's what she said. From there, we see Frank appears now to be still stuck in the RV bathroom, and he's shouting for help. He hears a woman's voice, and Artemis appears. Yeah, Artemis, man. She appears to him in the toilet. She convinced Frank to climb into her mouth, and since that's in the toilet, Frank begins to climb into the toilet. Outside, there's a McPoyle milk rave going on. Charlie has donned the green man costume in order to deal with the fact that he's surrounded by McPoyles while tripping balls on acid this is heating up my dude it is heating up i thought the scene with with frank and artemis was fucking hilarious he's sweating he's trying to figure this out he's drooling she's like just climb in my mouth foot first and he's like i don't think i'll fit <laughs> one foot at a time just, baby one foot one at foot a time. At 
It's just so good, dude. It's just so good. Well, one, you know, because you have Frank being like, okay, into the toilet I go. Like, that's how he's trying to save himself. Outside, Charlie's just dancing his ass off in the milk rave. And his head, he's like, yeah, Green Man is saving your life right now, bro. And he's just dancing his ass off. And you see, that's the thing, right? Apparently, Charlie on acid plus Green Man means, like, he really does just want to fucking dance. And shout out Artemis. I like the effect they kind of did. They did some kind of fisheye cameras and stuff like that. They had Artemis's kind of mouth getting big in the toilet. It was, uh, you know, fairly rudimentary. They didn't have a lot of budget back then, and there were definitely not digital effects like there are now. But I thought that actually all worked pretty well. And like I said, Charlie's out there dancing, doing the Green Man thing, and he's still doing it when Mac and Dennis show up, and they find him. We learn that Doyle has made the team and we also learned that Frank isn't actually in the RV bathroom. He's trapped himself in a trash can right behind Charlie. Artemis is pretty sure that he's on acid, and he probably took a dump in there. Early uh, reference to uh, who pooped the bed, right? Who knew that it was going to be Artemis doing the, the big speech at the end? But here she is diagnosing a Frank poop. little foreshadowing there uh, for, for, for that episode when, when she basically, in the middle of the storm, solves the case. I mean, it rolls together and you get a super poop or, or what have you. And uh, do they really have to ask if Frank brought his gun? <laughs> Never a doubt in your mind, was there? Like, if Frank didn't have his gun, you'd be like, you okay? Like, you you feeling all right, Frank? Do, do, do you not have a gun? And uh, do you like the bit that he was never in the bathroom the whole time? Did that track for you? It does. I just, you know, look, I, the guy's on a hallucinogenic. It's a mental hurdle. He that was his mental hurdle was being trapped in the bathroom. They set it up. It was funny to me that he wasn't. I thought it worked really well. After that, the gang has Artemis leave, and Dennis asks Frank for his gun. He's going to fire it behind D right before she kicks, which will cause her to blow it. Frank and Charlie are tripping their asses off, which is giving Dennis trouble getting the gun. Meanwhile, D reveals herself to the remainder of the people at the tryout, and then proceeds to blow the kick anyways perhaps breaking her foot in the process. You gotta love this because Dee is feeling herself. She kind of feels like she won here, right? She's She's got super talent. She's gonna have a legitimate chance and she's gonna do it as a woman. She can't wait to prove it wrong. And I love this because she pulls off her, her hair and her stash, but she leaves the beard. It's so funny. And, you know, obviously you knew something was gonna go wrong. Her Her, her body's basically glass, right? I mean... Yes, very much. It ultimately proves Dennis and Mac right. And it's interesting here that in this episode, we got to hear everyone's internal monologue except Max. We get D's here. You know, she tries to pump herself up, but you can tell she doubts herself, which is kind of a theme we see running throughout the series. I thought it was pretty funny overall, and it looked almost real the way she punted the ball badly, like right into the guys. Like, how bad is that? They're expecting she didn't even punt it in the right direction. Like, she punted it almost backwards into the crowd of people watching her. And just shout out at the way they they kind of blocked that and everything to make it look like that was worse than like whiffing, right? Like he's whiffing, she'd be like, "Oh, I meant to do that practice or something or whatever." Like, no, this is like you punt you punted it like. 66 degrees the wrong direction about four feet off the ground and hit like three people in the head but not hard enough to actually hurt them it literally hits a guy in the face i thought that was so funny the and front he just row guy like, oh here you go bird here's your ball bird worked really well that brings us back to the parking lot where dennis and mac have agreed to get frank out of the trash can in exchange for the gun i mean it's a pretty fair deal right as they free frank d comes up asking to go to the hospital Frank accidentally fires the gun, and the bullet hits Doyle McPoyle in the leg. Guess he's not going to be on the Eagles after all. That could come back to bite the gang in the ass someday. It just might. I didn't make the Eagles, but I would like to go to the emergency room right now, please. I thought this was a great ending to this episode, and I like the kind of the future foreshadowing. When you think about this, this was a really complete episode especially early on. I mean, you know, this was basically the beginning of season three. Considering they added Danny DeVito in season two, again, as we mentioned, only had him for like two weeks of filming. This was really the first time that they all filmed together on a regular schedule. It it feels like, right? Like it's comedies a lot of times. Season one is a complete crapshoot. Season two, they're starting to figure it out. Season three, 
they start to hit that groove. Maybe it's the end of season two, but you can feel the groove kind of happening here, even to the point where this was originally, if the gang talked about it on the podcast and you can see in the production codes, this was meant to go after the gang gets held hostage by the McPoyles. And that's why you kind of get a little scene where uh, Charlie recognizes Margaret, knows that she's a mute or whatever. Other than that, it, it really works pretty well. But the way they play it off, it's like, oh, yeah, they get taken hostage because they shot Doyle. And that's not really how it worked out. But it just goes to show that, you know, they're so on point right now that it doesn't really matter. They just thought it was a stronger episode. So they put it up front. Totally works. That it does. And that was the gang gets invincible. Before we hand out some hardware, let's look at what other people think about this episode. Uh, we'll just look on IMDb real quick. Episode is rated 8.7. That's tied for 38th overall amongst all It's Always Sunny episodes. There's 162 of those in the can. So that puts The Gang Gets Invincible in the top 25%. I think that feels about right to me. I'd say it's maybe not a top 10% episode, but top 25, that top quartile feels pretty good. I think that's about right. And I also think this would be a solid episode to show somebody who's never seen an episode of Sunny before. We always talk about this, like the gateway drug, right? The first taste is free. If you, you know, you're going to get someone into Sunny, what episode do you start them with? I think this could be a solid one to do it with. Uh, Jamie G, any thoughts overall about this kind of being a top 25% episode? And would it be a good episode to get somebody into Sunny? Yes, it would be. And I think this is kind of right where it needs to be. It's easily remembered to me as as one of the best episodes of this season. And season three is actually really good. For me, I think this is kind of right where it, where it belongs. And I do think it would be a good kind of episode to get somebody just that first taste of Sunny. You know, you don't necessarily want to start them off with the gang cracks the Liberty Bell, per se. But we do think that this would be good. It has all the elements. It's got the gang drinking, arguing, trying to prove themselves pointing out through their own weird way just how horrible they all are the side adventures the pairings right we get a mac and dennis pairing which is great shitting on d we get a frank and charlie pairing which is fantastic and then a bunch of great side characters like the mcboyles so i think this is a really good episode to consider as that gateway episode i am right there with you on that in Sometimes we bitch about the titles of things. I think in this case, The Gang Gets Invincible, pretty solid as an episode title. I do have an alternate idea or two here. If you want to stick to the tried and true uh, naming scheme, I would say you could go with The Gang Tries Out. Or maybe more vague and fun is The Gang Goes Outside. I would say if you went really random, uh, Frank Drops Acid, that would get me really interested. If I just saw that title, I'd be like, oh, shit. Uh, 90% scoliosis also works. And shout out R. Kelly with Trapped in a Bathroom, part one. Got the key to the ignition, dude. Yeah, I mean, Green Man on Acid is also an interesting one, too. I'd probably be like, oh, wow, what is what is that? That, that sounds interesting. Well, the McPoyles meet Green Man. That would be like the, that's like the Scooby-Doo title. On this week's episode, the McPoyles meet Green Man. Or McPoyle Milk Party would be, you know, Ooh, McPoyle, McPoyle Milk McPoyle. Party. I like that one. McPoyle, I have McPoyle Milk Grave, but I like McPoyle Milk Party. That actually has better alliteration. Yeah, the, the, M, the MC, the M&P. So love it. All right. And then, you know, we saw the gang here try out for football. But if they were to try out again for a different sport, what would it be? It doesn't have to be one of the major sports. Uh, just what would you like to see the gang try out for as far as it has to be at least a little athletic can't be jeopardy or something gotta at least be some sort of sport i I mean i would love to see him do like a beer fest crossover where they hang out with broken lizard and try to like you know like be the missing link to compete with like the germans or like some of these other like great like beer drinking countries so uh the the gang does beer fest would be an awesome one for me i felt like curling would be a lot of fun because it's all the weird stuff of who's going to be the thing and the broom person and there's someone just yelling. I feel like they would fight the whole time over who would do what role. Runner-ups probably axe throwing. I, I just feel that would go somewhere evil. And if you did the off-brand sports, 
cornhole, foosball, both fun. And to be honest with you, I'd like to see the gang go to a bowling alley once. I feel like there would be good times to be had with the gang in a bowling alley. I mean, no issues there. We kind of saw them in the in the skate rink. That's so, what I'm saying. Uh, like a flash of the little another flashback episode to like some midnight bowling or something back in the day. Cosmic bowling, dude. I'm there for it. I am there for it. I love talking about the gang. I love Always Sunny. It is time for us here to hand out the hardware. They deserve it. Let's give it to them. Let's start with our favorite quote or piece of dialogue from this episode. The gang gets invincible. For me, I have to go with the classic. Gee, the second that any part of your body touches that field, it's going to shatter like glass. You got bones like glass. I don't have bones like glass. You spend half your life in a back brace. Your body's like 90% scoliosis, D. That is hilarious and awesome and so incredibly mean. I just, that was a great quote for me. <laughs> I mean, good, but it's not. I'm Donovan McNair. Uh, I play quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm here to tell you that you can too if you start every day with a hearty breakfast from McDonald's. Uh, like the new sausage egg McGriddle value meal available now for a limited time for under $5. Uh, remember guys, real champs, eat at McDonald's. I'm loving it. Can I get the check? It's hard to beat that. And it was just really one of those things. Do I take it as my favorite quote? Do I take it as my favorite scene? Speaking of that... That brings it to the time where we have to give our favorite scene or moment from the gang gets invincible uh, because I just went with the Donovan McNabb speech there. I'm going to leave that as the runner up and I'm going to give my favorite scene to Dennis Reynolds just going out for a simple up and in. All right, run out and hook in. Run out and hook in. Show these people how to play football. I'm going to make Mac look so bad. My form is perfect. I'm like Jerry Rice. Feel that stride. So fluid and fast. I've got the stride of a gazelle. A beautiful, beautiful gazelle person. My body is achieving a perfect symmetry right now. It's that long, lean muscle I've worked so hard to achieve. I should have popped my shirt off. God damn it. I really should have popped that shirt off. I wonder if any women are watching from the sidelines. Because... Uh, yeah, it just uh, Dennis, you should have popped your shirt off, brother. Jamie G should have popped that shirt. You should have popped that shirt. When in doubt, if you have the body to do it, always pop them things. Always pop them things. For me, dude, I have got to give it to crazy McPoyle milk party situation. Into the toilet I go. This is crazy. You are dancing with the entire McBoyle family. These people are freak shows, man. Freaks. But you're keeping your cool. You're keeping your cool. You know why? Because you are the green man. Green man is saving your life right now, bro. Just go with the flow. You know, I love this because you, you see Frank kind of going through his own struggle and journey as he's, you know, uh, tripping. And then you you see kind of Charlie's perspective, and he's had to he's had to blend in by becoming Green Man and doing his dances. He's so in the zone, dude. This this was hilarious for me. There's so much shit going on with the McPoyles that's just it's unexplainable. Thought this was a great 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 scene. Got to give it up for it. That is absolutely fan fucking tastic. Love it. Now it is time to find out. Who our five-star man or woman is. This is where we rank the members of the gang from one to five stars. With, you know, first being the worst, just like the in the five-star man or woman being the best. So, Jamie G for the gang gets invincible. Let's start off with our one-star man. And unfortunately, I have to give mine to Charlie here. He did all the work. He got inadvertently dosed with acid. And he doesn't really kind of win anything other than he survives, but everyone else survives too. So unfortunately, very rare, but Charlie is my one-star man. Dude, hard to argue. I've got to give my one-star man. It's going to be a one-star woman because I got to give it to D. D basically thought she had, she was this close to being a five-star woman. And then she deed. And it just, so she basically got shit on and even though she did everything she could to try to prove them wrong, she didn't. 
And in the end, she was basically 90% scoliosis. So I got to put D as my one-star woman. Number two, my two-star man is going to be very mad because he feels that he's a five-star man, and that's Dennis Reynolds. Look, dude, he got knocked the fuck out by a pass, and then he got clowned by a coach. Not a good episode for Dennis. As much as I hate this, because you know I love Dennis. I'm a Dennis guy. I, too, am going to put Dennis as my two-star man just because he gets that moment where the coach kind of, oh, it's not good. And then, of course, he takes the ball to the face to the point where it knocks him out. Hell of a spiral. He did wicked spiral even, if I remember how he referred to it early on. Three-star man for me is Mac. He's right in the middle of this episode, right? Like, he gets a good hit on D, who shot at this point. Uh, Rob McElhinney is actually dating Caitlin Olsen, so there's a little bit of uh, meta shit going on there. But he got his fucking clock cleaned by Doyle McPoyle. But apparently he made it further than Dennis. So I think Mac right in the middle, three-star man, makes sense. Jamie G, one, two, three, stars for the... For my three-star man, I've got to give it to Doyle McPoyle. This is a guy who was super excited, had his whole life ahead of him in terms of maybe actually making the roster and maybe a practice squad candidate. He's getting invited back for workouts, and then he accidentally gets shot in the leg not a good way. He was kind of on his on his precipice and then boom, taken away. So that leaves him at the three spot for me. Oh, that's being mighty generous of you. You just want to give something to a McPoyle in an episode where they were all over the place. My four-star man is Mr. Frank Reynolds. Think about it, dude. He had a good time. He did not actually get trapped in the bathroom. Dropped acid. Charlie dropped acid. Didn't even really get mad at him after all that. They tripped together at a good time. And he shot him McPoyle and apparently didn't get in any trouble for it. Also, this is his first notable interaction with Artemis. And ultimately, in uh, being frank, he informs her parents that they are lovers. So, uh, Well, Artemis does, but they're lovers. And they do weird things with bottles and hot dog rolls. So, Gotta be a four-star man. Definitely a four-star man. My four-star man is going to be coach i thought coach was in control um probably doing some community service volunteer time on a saturday or wednesday or whatever it was but he does pull it off well i thought he had fun with it and basically no harm no fall he's he's doing his obligation but he's doing just the bare obligation hilarious love coach coach is my four-star man all right, Funky, give me your five-star man first, because I'm kind of curious. Is it going to be Donovan McNabb? It's absolutely Donovan McNabb. You know why? Because the dude showed up. He gave a McDonald's endorsement, collected a check, and bounced. I mean, best job in the world. It has got to be Donovan McNabb. He was totally a five-star man. Your credit, I figured out the pattern of uh, how you were throwing things down with your power rankings. I actually went with D because you know what? Even if she broke the shit out of her foot, she did indeed beat Mac and Dennis. And she showed everyone that she was a woman. Coach had the ball. He didn't have to give it to her. He let her try out as a woman. She got everything she wanted this episode. I know she probably didn't want a broken foot, but she did it. She beat Mac and Dennis in the, the, you know, the patriarchy was willing to let her try. She fucked it up, but they let her try. She broke down barriers. And, you know, her foot. But, you know, her foot is also a barrier between her shoe and her sock. And this brings us to the time of the episode where we stop worrying about our broken bones and start worrying about our broken wallets. So what we do is we want to create a self-sustaining economy. So we grade this thing on a scale of 0 to 100 patties bucks. Just whip them out, give them to people, they bring them back, and then, you know, self-sustaining economy... My turn to go first here, 92 Patty's Bucks. It's a good episode. It's probably not perfect. Again, it works well as a gateway episode. Top 25%, I think, I feel, is perfect. 92 Patty's Bucks. I mean, at the end, they do the thing where all the plots come together. Very cool. Great guest cast. And there's also Acid, Capes, and Philadelphia Eagles. 
Yeah, it's hard to argue that. I mean, in a season that was really good, and I think a lot of people consider season three to be like one of the one of the better seasons. This was up there as possibly best episode of season three. And that's saying something. There's a lot of good shit that happens in season three. So for me, I'm right there with you, Mills. I'm actually going to be a smidge higher. I'm going to give this thing um, a 93.5 patty bucks. I- I'm I'm close to kind of getting to that 95 range, but you know, still a little bit of growing room. I thought it was fantastic. There's not a whole no, lot. I'm going to push you. There are no point fives. There are no point fives. There's no change here. You got to pick. All right. We're going to do 90. We'll do a 94. Uh, oh, we'll do 94. 94 patty bucks here. I'll throw an extra dollar down as a tip uh, to help pay D's medical bills. And, you know, this was to me, it was the show getting it right. And what's most impressive about what they did is they kept it right um, after they got it right. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. So love this episode. 94 patties bucks for me. And while I will say that I think Caitlin Olsen is shown in this episode that she could sub in for rickety cricket if necessary. I love you, David Hornsby, but I do not think you could sub yourself in for Caitlin Olsen as easily as she can sub in for you. Not at all. And thank you guys so much for checking out the Night Pod Cometh. We love, I mean, love doing these throwback episodes. And we'll be back with another one before you know it. Don't you worry. If you got a particular episode you'd like us to talk about, shit, man. We're open for business. All you got to do is let us know in the comment section of this YouTube video or holler at us on social media. We're at Night Pod Cometh. That's Night Pod Cometh. Mills, tell these fighters of the day pod where they can find all of our content. Well, like the man said, we are Night Pod Cometh. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your pods, all the platforms, especially all the good ones on social media at Night Pod Cometh. And you can send your feedback to nightpodcometh at gmail.com. We'd love talking about all things sunny. We will be here when the new season eventually drops. Like the man said, until then, we will continue covering other random episodes. Covered a bunch of other stuff. Your Ozarks, Peaky Blinders, Barry, Better Call Saul, The Boys. Lots of good stuff all on the YouTube channel. Check out the various playlists. You'll figure out where to find us. I am Magna Mills. He is Jamie G. For one last time. Thank you for checking us out. And most importantly, being a fighter for, not against, the night pod coming. Oh, champion of the sun. This has been the night pod cometh presented by the Joe Blow football show. We are in no way associated with it's always sunny in Philadelphia, three arts entertainment, RCG productions, FXP, or FXX. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Any views or opinions expressed here are personal and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations who may or may not be associated with the Joe Blow Football Show. If you have any questions, please contact us at nightpodcometh at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and comment.